Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Roziel, and this is a show where I can talk about sports. I get to talk about business and everything in between. Today, my special, special guest, I have Brian Argot. He's the host of another podcast, which I'm excited to talk about, A Rocky Start. He's a student in sports broadcasting, and he is also a virtual personal trainer as well as an in-person personal trainer. Brian, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? It is a good day to be alive, man. It is a very good day to be alive. But in my opinion, I think all of them are. So it doesn't get better right, than right. this. It's true. It doesn't get better than this. So, Brian, very excited to talk to you about your podcast, about getting into sports broadcasting after already kind of having a career uh, in the, uh, the the virtual and, I guess, in-person personal training space. And uh, actually excited to talk about the Marines. I know you were uh, you know involved with them for a little bit as well, which is pretty cool. But first, the question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, really set the tone, in my opinion, is why do you love sports so much? I mean, man, uh, sports is, you know, I think we all can relate to it, no matter what background we come from. We, everybody, you know, when we grow up, you know, we look at icons. That was for me. Sports was a big uh, impact in my life as a kid on how I worked physically and mentally. You know, I always looked for, you know, sports, like growing up in a little rough neighborhood, as far as, you know, not having a lot of money growing up, I always, you know, just was able to relate to sports. And that's where the love came from for me. I, you know, I was a big uh, Eagles. I'm a big Eagles fan, oh, big Mets fan. Mets uh, you know, Eagles? what the hell? You're wearing a Mets t-shirt I see right there. Yeah. Uh, why are you an Eagles fan then? Uh, Eagles fan because I was a big Donovan McNabb fan. I was a fan of players. You know, we, okay. I, live, I live here in Los Angeles. We did not have a football team. We have a baseball team, the Dodgers, but my brother is a Yankees fan. So I started watching baseball right in the 2000 Subway Series. Mm. And uh, so, you know, I was going against my older brother. That's what brothers do. You know, we fight and, you know, we definitely fought about that. And we've been fighting ever since. Yeah. And <laughs> you really, you, you're really on the, the the wrong end of that one, buddy. I'm a very big Mets fan and I'll tell any Mets fan, don't be a Mets fan. It's not worth it. But I respect yeah, well, it. Steve Cohen's coming in the deal. So hopefully yeah. that's how it all changes. Let's get it, man. I'm so excited. Uncle Steve's going to give us all his money. 14 billion, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I think we all can relate to sports out there. You know, we all look for inspiration in life. And I mean, what better to get it from, from sports? You know, it's the perfect Cinderella story. You know, um, we all can, you know, that's what like, you know, living here in America, it's like, we have the opportunity to come from, you know, the smallest parts of the world or America and, you know, make something out of nothing. That's what's uh, great about it. And that's where I think uh, sports and I relate the most. Yeah, I love that, man. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, just uh, it's an interesting mix of teams. I mean, Philly and New York, I, <laughs> I don't get it, but it is what it is. I understand you're a player, so I respect it. I'm sorry you're a Mets fan. Um, really sorry you're an Eagles fan. Ugh, that one hurts me, but I'll disparage the Eagles later on in this conversation. Don't worry. I'm sure I'll throw right. a couple jabs in there. I mean, Carson Wentz has already heard. I really don't even have to say too much, but it's, um, it, I think it's interesting, you know, how, how that really, you know, you're connecting it to kind of that American dream almost because you're right. You know, the cylinder Cinderella stories, we as America, we root for the underdog, right? For whatever reason, like in certain situations, we love greatness. And in certain situations, we hate greatness, right? Like the, the country hates Tom Brady, but most basketball fans love LeBron. So it's really interesting kind of where we create that divide and why I guess we do those things. But I don't I know. Think, I love it. I think, the, you know, I love LeBron James. He's a fantastic player. Always like that. But I think half the think half of the NBA before, I think now they fall in love with more LeBron during this time. Mm-hmm. I think last like year of the Lakers. But 
I think it was the other way, actually. I think, you know, equally people hated him just as much as they loved him because, you know, he has a, you know, with the decision and all his other moves that he's done, you know, he kind of forces players out. And that's just uh, the kind of world that he's kind of assembled himself in going team to team. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting how he pretty much created that trend and uh, it mm-hmm. kind of came back to bite him in the ass a couple times with those Warriors teams. Um, so it's just kind of, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I thought the decision was a little silly. Everyone always forgets he took all that money and donated to the Boys and Girls Club of like Cleveland right. and New York and LA and, and Miami and Chicago. No one remembers that part of it, but you know, yeah. hey, that's that's the media for you. No, I think his heart's always in the right, you know, he tries to be in the right place for the most part, you know. I just think like with how he did the fan base. I, you know, mm-hmm. of course they, you know, gave him in and rightfully so. I mean, you leave a team like that, you know, after being there for nine years, I totally think it was, he was in the right place to leave, you know, at the time, you know, he spent well over, you know, about nine seasons, I think there at the first go around and, you know, you want to win, you know, and they never gave him the talent to win. So I would leave too. you know, nine years, I think is enough time to accumulate some players. They gave him a lot of older players, Shaquille mm-hmm. Neal, Antoine Jameson, just you know, a bunch of players. You know, in their prime, they were great. But you know, during the time when they were LeBron, he washed up. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like what the Mets do. We get all these guys that were really <laughs> good, like Robinson Cano <laughs> or whatever. And uh, I mean, he's doing great this year, but it's not like it's helping the team too much. So it is what it no. is there. But but I think you know, LeBron is an interesting topic of conversation. I love him. I always have. I wanted him to go to Miami. I was so happy when he won those first two. Obviously, then going back to Cleveland. Winning that third one, I think, is it cemented in, you know, as you said, with him going back, I think everyone's like, all right, LeBron, you're kind of cool again. So it's interesting how all that happened, but I'm for it. I, I think LeBron's the greatest player of all time. I mean, oh, wow. I'm not here to have that debate, though. That's too yeah. cliche. That's too cliche, man. I'm not here to have it. I'm not here to have it. No, I'm, I don't think it's too cliche, but, you know, I just think like work ethic and look at, uh, you know, talking about kind of like what how sports is. Going up against the odds, against the Warriors, against all the you know all these like super teams the last like four years, it's really you know put a toll on him. You know, but then again, he made the bet he lit, he lies mm-hmm. in. You know, hundred mm-hmm. percent so. exactly. Yeah, he yeah. he created this mess. Um, and uh, now, now for himself, essentially, it worked a couple times. It didn't work yeah. a couple others, which is really interesting. But I, enough about LeBron, man. I don't need to talk too much more about him. <laughs> I want to talk about you, Brian. So you're. I saw um, that you were in the Marine Corps recruiting for a little while, uh, like a few years. So talk, talk to me a little bit about that. I guess, where, where did that background come from? I guess, why did you kind of take that path? Got it. So the, not Marine Corps recruiting. I was actually in the Marine Corps reserves. Okay. I and, uh, no, you're good. Uh, that on my LinkedIn profile, it does say recruiting, but it doesn't have a, a thing there for mm-hmm. the Marine Corps itself. Okay. But uh, so uh, during the time I joined back in 2013, I was actually going in because I wanted to be in law enforcement I was 22 when I actually joined the Marine Corps. So I was a little bit older than, you know, coming right out of high school. Um, I, you know, I had my career, my eyes set on going into law enforcement. So I joined the Marines thinking, you know, I come out, I want to be a police officer. Um, I actually worked at a, I worked at a detention facility, which was an immigration uh, facility where we uh, held people for a short period of time as far as for uh, immigration until they were actually, you know, transferred depending on what their status was of this country. And, um, you know, during the time, you know, I really loved it because I thought, you know, it's something I really wanted to do, make a difference in people's lives in a positive way and, you know, serve, you know, America. That's always like what I set out to join the Marines for. And uh, during that time, it's like, you know, I just felt kind of like I saw a lot of negativity in it. And I think it kind of wore on me. You know, I've always uh, 
put forth a positive mindset. And I, th- and I saw that kind of wearing. So I wanted to get out of there. And, you know, I did. I only worked there for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And during halfway through my career with the Marine Corps Reserves, it was probably year four where I just kind of to want to go into entrepreneurship. And that's when I went into personal training. Really? That's interesting. I guess like what I mean, I'm a very positive person, I like to think. And yes, if you're showered with negativity all day, that's going to obviously wear down on you, as you said, and kind of you'll burn you out. Was that knowing that that was in the Marine Corps? Was that also did you just kind of make the assumption that that's kind of what the what law enforcement would look and feel like, I'm assuming, moving forward? No, I worked with a lot of uh, people in law enforcement, actually, in the Marine Corps Reserves. A lot of them were, you know, working five days, six days a week, and then going in the Marines mm-hmm. on their weekends and doing that. And man, it's a tremendously hard job. I think being a police officer is the hardest job in America. You know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, you hear a lot of criticism, especially what's going on now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's tough, you know, because there are, are a lot of good police officers out there, just like in every every job, there's, you know, bad apples too. So it, it definitely, um, it does wear. But I saw just the lifestyle that they lived. And I get, like I said, I give them tremendous respect. I just didn't want that for myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uncle uh, is a cop. I think he might have just retired like last year, um, but pretty much my entire life he was. And yeah, it was always really interesting. Granted, he he was a cop in like a really easy um, place in, here in New Jersey in the suburbs. So it was always kind of funny. Right. But yeah, it was always, you know, he's on seven to seven. He misses this holiday. So he gets that holiday. And it was just very like, and he's spending time with kids, right? But it worked for him. He's happy. That's all that matters. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it does work for some people. And I like, you know, I take my hat off to them. I just wanted more freedom, you know, mm-hmm. I said, like, I, you know, I believe that we only have so many years in our life, you know, and I don't want to spend my twenties, thirties and forties, you know, always being on call, wondering when I'm able to take my vacation. And yeah. I just, uh, I'd rather do that on my own time. I get that. And then, so that kind of threw you in another direction, as you said, to kind of chase that entrepreneurial lifestyle a little bit where you can, you know, obviously you can, but it, it's it's a hindrance if you just want to take yeah. that vacation and you're not going to make any money that week, most likely. So where, I guess, where along the line was personal training? Like where, where in your story did that start? Were you always into it, you know, starting in high school? Was it something you got into in college or was it from the, you know, the Marine Corps? Uh, you know, I was always uh, like I, going back to football. I, I didn't really play too much football in high school, but I did. Pra- I did uh, practice for the summer. Mm-hmm. of my uh, sophomore year. And that was when I actually grew about five inches and I was working out a lot. Oh. And I literally, I must've gained like 30 pounds that summer. Every, I came back to my sophomore year and everyone was like, whoa, did you take steroids? Like, you know, so it kind of transformed me. I went from this five foot kid to this five, six, you know, and then just grew like that over the summer. And uh, so working out has always kind of been a thing of me. Like I, I use running. I'm a big runner, actually. I love uh, coaching and I love doing it myself. And, um, I think from from that point on in about 2015, this is during my time when I was trying to discover, you know, what's a little bit more, you know, what's out else is out there for me. I read this book called The Miracle Morning. It's a book by Hal Elrod. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I'm a big Hal Elrod fan. Me and him are actually good friends. I went to his. No uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we hung out last year at the COO's wedding and really nice guy. Um, he is everything he he preaches. And, you know, you got to you gotta love that in somebody admire his work and um, say I'm good friends with him. But his book had changed my life at that time because, you know, it kind of launched me into another style of thinking, you know? And from there, like, I was like, okay, what else do I want? You know, I know I'm good at fitness. So maybe let me go get my personal training certification. I did that. Um, I was coaching the you know, like outside boot camp classes at first. I got my personal training certifications and then I started taking on uh, more clients that way. And then now, 
so this is about three, four years ago. And now it's going the the last year I've been having my own clientele in now with COVID. Mm-hmm. It's been a big transition as far as like how, how else do I want the next two years to look as I'm going to school. So um, now everyone mostly virtual. I have a few in-person clients where, you know, we train very carefully, but like, um, you know, most of it's all virtual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's been a trend. I actually recently had on uh, two gentlemen, Colin and Ryan from a company called Athleticus that is really trying to help with uh, personal trainers and the, the virtual aspect where you actually, it's attached to your, your wristwatch um, with all the, the vitals and everything. And it's really interesting what they're doing. So um, anybody that's listening, make sure to go back and check it out. That one's really good. But in terms of, I guess the, the personal training and, and now moving to that virtual aspect of it, how much harder or has it made it easier has this been especially i mean considering we haven't really been able to see each other the last few months that's one thing but has this been something that you can see just kind of taking a hold and moving forward with whether we can or cannot see each other on a daily basis i think it's going to be a trend as far as online training i really think it's um here to stay people have been doing it for years i know other entrepreneur um, personal trainers have been doing online personal training for years from a distance for other entrepreneurs and business people because they're always on the go. Mm-hmm. So now I think, you know, that's definitely tapped into a bigger market now, as opposed to like some of my clients have said, they just don't want to go back to the gym because they have already bought all their weights. They have the setup and they just rather do it virtually because it works for them. Other people, you know, they're like, I can't wait to go back to the gym, which I understand for myself. I don't want to go back to the gym. I mean, if I don't have to, I mean, I will. Um, if it, it just really depends on what the outlook is like in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And the flexibility for sure. Of course. But but yeah, I think uh I think it is here to stay for the long run. Man. Yeah, I mean I mean we saw um you know Peloton and and all those um other companies that do that kind of stuff. They made all their stuff free for like the first month because we only thought this was gonna last a month. Joke's on us right. for six months into this thing now. Um and then you know, obviously we've seen a lot of people as as yourself and personal trainers get into the online space, but then we've also seen companies like Mirror which is really interesting. Uh, That that one's kind of cool. I think that's the one Lululemon just bought. And I think there's even another one that's popping up. That's just, you know, here to, I think stay, as you said, I mean, people can do something convenient to their own home and still have it tailored to who they are. I think that's exactly what we're looking for, especially us, you know, the M words, the millennials. Right. No, I agree. You know, you mentioned Peloton yesterday. They had announced that they're coming out with three different versions of their Peloton bikes. Um, some that are much more affordable and then they're coming out with the advanced version. Their stock dropped up about 20% yesterday. You think even more about 20% coming out with that kind of news because they know the market. They see that there is a need and they're going after that market. So I think it's definitely here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, the funny part about the Peloton is you can buy like an exercise bike for like 45 bucks online Mm -hmm. and an iPad and, and you can pretty much just get everything you need from there, but I won't tell anybody that secret. I agree. (laughs) Um, but Hey man, it's a brand. People love brands and Peloton's done something right. I mean, I use Peloton literally every day. We just have the digital version of it and you know, I do the meditation, the yoga and stuff and you know, we're good. I don't have to have a $2,000 bike to do that. (laughs) Uh, pretty okay with it, uh, but I won't <laughs> tell anybody if you won't. So th- that's really interesting with the, the personal training side. So I'm kind of curious where along the way did you decide that, you know, hey, this entrepreneurial lifestyle, while it's it's working, it seems like, you know, you have a, a, a significant, you have enough clients to seems like that you can pay your bills and, and you're good to go there. And I'm assuming you can then continue to scale because it is virtual, maybe group classes, maybe just fill up more of your day, however it goes. 
why did you want to get into sports broadcasting? What was it, especially you, this late in your career, this late in your life? I mean, it's funny, right? You're not even 30, so we're saying this no. late in your life. But usually this is something people make that decision at 18, go to college for it, and then by 22, you know, they're hitting the ground. Whereas now you're a few years removed from even 22 uh, to get to where you're trying to get to. You know, so, I mean, it goes, it goes back to last year. I was, uh, you know, coming around the holidays and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do another year of just doing personal training. Mm-hmm. I was like, how else do I advance? You know, I mean, I can get more clients, I can make more money, but then I have less time. Yeah. So, you know, there's certainly a time factor. And then, so this was, I've, I've always thought about the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting at mm-hmm. Full Sail University. You know, it's heavily advertised on Facebook, Dan Patrick Show heavily advertises it. And, you know, they always talk about, you know, the, the amount of, um, in-person skills that I went to it, like Dan Patrick, Stuart Scott, other people that I've contributed to this program. And so I was, no, I was just sold on it. Like there was, the money was definitely a, I've never made that large purchase because it is mm-hmm. a purchase yep. of, you know, spending it's 60 grand. Yeah. Spending $60,000, you know, over the two and a half year span is a lot of money. So I, you know, I thought about that and I'm like, okay, well, I got to really kick my butt in the gear. So I started school back on January 6th and you know, I've, it's been perfect actually during COVID because I'm, I'm all online. It's, you know, I was never going in person. The school's in Florida. I'm still staying in Los Angeles. That was another thing that contributed to it was I'm in LA. I could find a job in sports in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. as far as an intern, if I wanted to, I could find sports people to be on my podcast. So, you know, that's, that's how I'm looking at it. You know, what other strengths can I do as far as like, okay, I don't have to move all the way to Florida. I can stay here. I can stay put. I can still make the life that I'm living right now work. Mm-hmm. And I guess with with that, I get what was it though that wanted to get you into sports broadcasting? I know you said it was advertised to you, and it's advertised to me all the time too. But I'm just right. kind of curious, like where is it a specific announcer? Is it Gary Keith and Ron? Because honestly, they almost did it for me as well because I love those guys. <laughs> Howie Rose, you know, is it him? Like what what is it that wanted to get you into you know potentially a new career path? No, it was it was actually uh, someone you know like Dan Patrick and Bill Simmons, a big admirer of their work, especially what Bill Simmons has done. As far as like, I followed him when he left ESPN, I think it was like late 2014, early 2015, he went and started the Ringer Network, you know, people were wondering like, hey, what's going on with Bill Simmons, you know, his podcast is not going. And then I, you know, find out the news that he's coming out with his own HBO show any given Wednesday. But then, you know, that was a that was a flunk. But anyways, he started the, the Ringer podcast network, which, you know, man, proven story, he leaves this big conglomerate in ESPN, go start his own podcast network. And the ringer and then right at the beginning of COVID, sells the ringer for i i know it's a disclosed price but i think it's up north of 100 million dollars mm-hmm. to the spotify and you just take that kind of news and you're just like man like you know this guy did it and he's in sports and he's still able to do what he loves mm-hmm. so i think you know there's definitely ways out there to do it but bill simmons was a bit you know even before he sold spotify i was already like sold on go back school but I wanted to go work for the ringer. The ringer is still a, something I do want to work for one day. If I, you know, if the timing makes sense or, you know, with my podcast and, you know, and my vision, how that, that might come about. I, I still have about, yeah, I still have about two years left in school, but you know, there's still a long road ahead. You got a while and it's, it's a grind, man. And we're going to, we're going to do it together. I promise you that. Cause I'm right there with you, man. I don't want to work for the ringer. I honestly am not the biggest Bill Simmons fan. He's a little too whiny for me and I hate Boston. So uh-huh. yeah. Boston, the city is actually cool. I guess it's the sports fans. That's, you know, that it gets on my nerves a little bit. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan up until the Yankees are eliminated from the playoffs. And then at that point I, I then go root against Boston. Cause then there's the Yankees. Now you can tell any Red Sox fan that they'll disagree 
but it's essentially the same thing at this point. Right now, and I, yeah, I totally understand that. What made you start this podcast, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I um, I just love talking to people, man. Um, yeah, so I, I actually agree. have another podcast where I speak with Olympic athletes on their story and path of the games. It's called Our Athletes. And nice. I probably interviewed over 120 to 150 Olympic athletes over there. And I realized I, I love talking to Olympic athletes, and I continue to do that, but I wanted another outlet to be able to just talk to other people in sports, right? There's so many different right. people in sports. There's so many different opportunities. And it, it's very frustrating to hear people when they're just like, oh, like, I don't want to sell tickets. It's like, all right, well, sports is an industry, man. Like, you can do finance, mm. you can do accounting, you can do sales, you can do marketing, you could literally do anything, operations, right. HR, you could do all of this within the scope and the lens of the sports business industry. So I started this one in January and really took advantage, lack, uh, for lack of a better term, of the quarantine. And I am up to, I think you're episode 198. So That's since good. January, we've done 198 interviews. And then I think there's probably another 10 to 12 just kind of one-off episodes of either breaking down the NFL draft or breaking down, you know, the Ingress Premier League coming back with some of my friends. We just do it for fun. But right. yeah, um, you're almost episode 200. Two more. I think they're already scheduled for this week. So we're going to hit. My goal for the year was to do 200 interviews. And through this show, my Olympic athlete show, and I work with uh, my buddy Jason Mizrahi over at Win Daily uh, doing sports betting and uh, fantasy sports. Probably did another 40 interviews through there. So we're well over that 200 number. So my new goal is 300. So I need another about 50 by the end of the year. And I think I could do it. I'm pretty confident. Nice, man. I think you will do it. You know, you're already well way there, you know. And you said, you mentioned uh, Jason Mizrahi. Does he by chance work on the Jordan Harbinger show? No. It's another podcast. Okay. No, Just, uh, different, curious. different guy. Different guy. Different, uh, Wind, yeah, Windale. It's a different media company. Pretty cool. Uh, do sports, uh, fantasy sports, and sports betting, which is a lot of fun. It's a fun up-and-coming industry. So excited. Enjoy being part of that team over there. I see. Yeah. But this one over here has been a lot of fun. This has also allowed me the opportunity to interview a lot of high-profile people. Uh, because I also decided to write a book, which will be December, published in December on the sports business industry. It's called Winning in Sports Business. I think that's the title. We might change that still, but Winning in Sports Business, how to get a job in essentially in the sports industry. Got to interview a lot of cool people from all these different fields, from the medical field to sports agents, to media company owners, to content creators. It's been an absolute blast. Very excited for that to get out. So there's my little shameless plug there as well. Nice, thanks, man. That's awesome. I guess it's my show. I can shamelessly plug something. But um, to talk a little bit more about you, again, you, you keep running me off topic, man. I appreciate the questions, but I'm supposed to be asking you the questions, man. man I'll come on your show and we'll, 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 we'll talk to me some other time. But It's a um, conversation. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. With, with Full Sail specifically, like what – so you've been there. It sounds like you said it was about a two-and-a-half-year program and you have about two years left. So I'm assuming you've been there for about six months. What has this first six-ish months looked like, especially during quarantine, everything being virtual? As you said, you were going to stay virtual anyway. What is this – what has it been like and what, I guess – what have you learned so far out of curiosity? Yeah, so, you know, I started the school back in January. Every month is a new class. So you have four weeks. It's a new class every time. And it goes fast, man. It's a, it's a lot. You got to keep up, you know, um, for the most part throughout it all. We've had um, intro into broadcast writing, um, intro to sports casting. Uh, this last class was personal brand. Um, all Adobe, We had a class on all Adobe setups. And now I'm into intro into sports marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, my graduation date will be 2022. It's a 29-month program in general. 
And, uh, you know, it goes fast, honestly, man. It's like down on going on month nine. I'm, you know, on my second week of classes and every time it flies by really quick, you know, it's, I, before I know it, it's going to be this time next year. And I'm like, wow, I have less than a year to graduate. Um, you know, I've almost made the decision a year ago. It'll be a year ago next month. I actually made the decision to go back to school and signed up and all that. So even that's come fast, but like, uh, the school, man, they do a great job. Like most of my instructors have worked at ESPN mm-hmm. in different, you know, in different uh, fields, maybe producers and stuff like that, but they've all worked for ESPN or CBS sports, so, you know, you, you're learning directly from the people that have done it. And that is the tremendous part about it. You know, I I look at this more as an investor in myself. I know sometimes like I was never one to pay for like college because sometimes like, you know, I think about it like, why would I want to go to school for that when I don't need to? But for this, this kind of training and what I knew I was going to get out of it, it was kind of a no brainer when I mm-hmm. made the decision. I, I mean, it was that. definitely scary, but yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's a that's a lump sum, man. That's a down payment on a house. Uh, maybe not yeah. in LA, but like that's a down payment in a house <laughs> around the country. And I mean that's like a that, that's a huge commitment. And, and you know, obviously, if you see that as something that makes sense, I mean, shoot, man, shoot, go for it. You only get to do this thing once. You might as well do something you love, right? Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned it's funny you mentioned down payment on a house. I'm actually looking at that to make a down payment on a duplex property. Yeah. Very so, oh, cool! So you put the down payment there. You make your tenant pay most of the the mortgage, and you're you're good to go. I won't tell your tenant that they're paying yeah. most of the mortgage. passive income. Yeah, passive I mean income. they they know it. Oh, man. Oh, no, That's yeah, way, they know the way to do it. How renting works, man. That's pretty good, man. I I respect that. And so with with all of these classes, do you? I mean, so you went to college before this, right? This is kind of your second stint, right? Right. Yeah, I went to college before for law for um yeah. my criminal justice. Yeah. So with the, the, the differentiation, like the, the, the juxtaposition of doing, you know, five classes a semester and then probably taking one class or two classes over the summer, how does that compare to this month by month process that you're doing here? I'm kind of curious your thoughts, especially someone that's gone through both so far. Well, so I, I think it's way harder to actually do what I'm doing now mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, because I'm working still pretty much full time um, and I'm, you know, trying to you know, look at trade my stocks and stay on sports and, you know, stay engaged in school. And when I was just normally going to college, you know, it's easy. You go, you, you have school that starts in, you know, either August or September and then you have certain breaks off your, you know, in between and, you know, doing it online, it's much harder, I think, you know, because like if you miss a lecture, then you have to go back and rewatch it. And then, you know, it's, it's four weeks every month. You know, it's like we don't get really a summer break. We don't get a winter break. It's, you know, it's jammed all in there and you got to be on, you got to be on it. You miss a class and the next month you got to redo it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, uh, it's hard. I mean, it's definitely, I would much rather go to a regular college and do that. But this is an accelerated, accelerated program. I knew I was getting myself into. That's why I dove in and did it. And I know the, I know the bigger picture of it. So like, you know, some days like you lose sight of it, but you know, it's mostly, you always got to keep your eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. Yep. hundred percent. You got to keep your eyes, you know, focused on where you're going, not on, on where you're at, because obviously you're going to continue to get better. And so with, you know, with the classes that you've taken and with some of the, um, the exercises and the experiences that you've already had, like, have you seen your, I'm assuming you've, you felt yourself get significantly better over the last nine months. I mean, that is then just going to continue to accelerate over the next 18 to 24, whatever that number is. 
I mean, with what I've learned already in doing the podcast and stuff like that, my audio, um, my audio editing skills have been a lot better as far as uh, so that I'm much more confident talking in front of a camera. Right now, I'm making an online course for runners on how to run a 5K, and I'm going to be sell, I'm going to be launching that course to sell it, and you know, for to make another way of you know online, you know, to have a digital mar- uh, marketing program in there, you know and kind of launch that to make some more passive income and to help other people on, on a larger scale, you know? So I think like with all that, it's definitely helped me on my business and with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I've run a couple five Ks. Uh, a friend of mine works for the New York city marathon nice. and there's a the day before the New York city marathon. There's a five K mm-hmm. where she gets, she's gotten me to, I've had the opportunity to run it. It's usually like the day before or after my birthday, it kind of just falls on like that same weekend. So we've I run heard. it the last couple, um, run it the last couple of years. And the first year I trained, I was like, all right, going to get up and like, you know, slowly do this. And the second year I trained <laughs> a little bit less. And the third year I was just like, it's three miles. I'm just going to run it. And it sucked. But I just ran it. It was my best time. So I don't right. know, man. There's something about a 5K that doesn't intimidate me. Right. And it, but it, it intimidates some others, you know. No, it people, should. It should. Three, three and a half miles is kind of far, right? It's yeah, yeah. Not the it's easiest a, thing to do. Yeah, running 3.1, it's 3.1. not 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 easy for um for people, especially, you know, for people that have never run. A lot of people just hate running in general. So I like, hate it. Yeah. And you know, my my goals for the course is to break that for some people. I know I'm not going to be able to break it for everybody, but, you know, if I could change a few people's lives while doing it, you know, and kind of incorporate something else into it, um, you know, it's coming up on the end of the year soon. Uh, New Year's resolutions are all going to be here. And I kind of want to have that course there ready for people who are looking to start running. You know, everyone has a fitness goal. So I kind of want to be there, be, be able to help people during that time with this course. I love it, dude. That is awesome. Good for you. And yeah, hopefully uh, you get a couple people to buy it and uh, send me the link when it's done. Maybe I'll buy it too. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, so, so a couple last questions about the the sports broadcasting school. I guess where, so you said you wanted to do this as a career. You wanted this to be your life. Um, yeah. You're also talking about, you know, you're also an entrepreneur, meaning yes, if you're working, you're making money, but you have that opportunity to say, Hey, I can't work this week. And nobody's going to say, no, you can't, you can go on vacation, do whatever you'd like. How, how do you feel about, you know, being in a sports industry that is essentially always on, right? Like the only time most sports broadcasters get off is during the middle of baseball season. And during the middle of baseball season this year, the NBA playoffs, and the NHL playoffs came back. It was really weird. Obviously we right. had the layoff because of COVID, but what like how how do you feel about that aspect because that's always something that especially new to the industry people have to really deal with because it's you're missing nights you're missing weekends you're missing family time you're missing holiday you know you're missing all that stuff and that seems like it's pretty important to you right so i mean like you said we all we all are in control of you know what we want to do uh and as far as like for the podcasting you know i'm hoping that with the amount of experience that i get from a podcast i will have that flexibility and, you know, man, with sports, it's not a job. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's awesome. It's a, it's a passion, man. And, like, I love talking sports, you know, and everything like that. So if it comes to that and I had to do that, it's not an issue for me. I love sports. I've always, even with whatever job I went to, I've always talked to people. We always had our debates, you know, talking shit, whatever. Excuse my language. But, you know, it's like we always, uh, you know, there's always that camaraderie with sports. So I definitely will, you know, always appreciate that and never take it for, grant, for granted. 
I respect the hell out of that, man. That's good. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. So let's let's talk about your podcast a little bit. So it's called a Rocky Start. I'm assuming we can get it on Apple, Spotify, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. Yep, All, yep exactly. You get it anywhere there. Um, I host it through uh, Anchor, but yeah, it's uh, on every platform out there. And uh, you know, Rocky Start. It was inspired from you know Rocky Balboa, you know itself, you know. I was a big Rocky fan growing up. I watched with my dad all the time growing up as a kid. And, you know, what better story to be inspired by, you know, someone like like Rocky story coming up, you know, in Philadelphia, like as far as like, you know, just never knew he could have a shot at, you know, a champion. But, you know, it's like I know sometimes they're like a little overblown, but, you know, it's like it always inspired me, the music, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm had an inspiring story to it. So like, you know, on a rocky start, like I love talking to people because in general, I think everybody has a rocky start in their life, you know, hence the name, you know, we all are, you know, kind of, we all have an underdog story in us is pretty much like what I always start off with on the show. And, you know, I think that's like just true to my own nature and just what I love to bring to the show. I love that. That's great. And I knew there was going to be a place where I could disparage Philadelphia a little bit more because I, I love that <laughs> before the Eagles Super Bowl, they had a statue of a fictional character um, in their city. And that was like the most impressive thing. So, hey, that, don't don't hate on that character. That, that character has inspired a lot of people. I know, man. I'm, I actually think I the Sylvester Stallone story is cooler than the Rocky story itself. Right. I think people kind of forget like him with the the rocky character like he brought it to so many places he was rejected over and over and over again because he said no i I have to play this character because this is me and everyone's like nah man you can't even talk and uh jokes on them because that's you know billions of dollars later in uh in a franchise and it's pretty impressive but everyone kind of forgets that part of it i think that one's even cooler and to even go back on that the movie was filmed in the 70s you -hmm. know during that time and to have an incredible story like that it's really one of the first movies of its kind and then it continued all the way. You know, it's still going with Creed. Yep, yep. And so you got to love something like that, you know, 40 years later. He's definitely had an interesting life story, especially that with that and then going and directing Rambo too, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's a, has a really amazing life and I'm always inspired on. I definitely want to have him on the podcast. So he's listening to the show. He's always welcome on my show. Uh, I don't know if <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's listening, but I'll tag him when I uh, when I put this out. I'll let him know. Hey, we'd love to have you. Uh, <laughs> would love it. Brian would love it if you could have him on a show that you've uh, inspired heavily. I think that'd be pretty cool. Dude, I love. Uh, yeah, that'd be a dream to have him on the show. Let's do it. So with um with the show, so I love the name. I love where that comes from. What what do you what do you talk about? What are the types of as you said? You like to talk to people that have kind of an underdog story that have that rocky mentality. But like, where how does this tie into sports um, in any way, shape, or form? Because I think uh, every even athlete, whoever likes sports or in general, have a rocky start in their life. You know, how did they? You know, so like um, I asked them, how do they like sports? What got to involved in that? Um, pretty much, kind of like what you had asked me in the beginning, and you know, we go into that. And then we talk about, you know, how they came up through the industry, what, whatever part of sports they're in. And then, you know, we kind of just go into talking to about teams, like who they like, what their you know profession is all about. And then we go into what advice they have for other people. You know, that's kind of what it gets to. And then later on down the line, I would like to change the show a little bit and then to make it like a sports documentary podcast. That's my main goal for the show. When I have athletes on, I want to make it a like a documentary series. Talk to me more about that. What exactly do you mean? So, like, you know, for instance, like we had LeBron James on the show, like, you know, turn it into like, 
a two if it's a two part episode, but you know, pretty much interviewing him going all the way back mm-hmm. to you know going to where he is now, you know, because again, we all have a story. I want would love to get in depth and talk to him about that. What really, what literally drove him in life, you know how how does he st- still have that motivation, even though being one of the best players in the world. Just using him as an example, it's just like, you know, it'd be that'd be like the, the you know, the pinnacle icon for it. But that's a uh, what I would love to do for this show. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's like uh, there's another podcaster. His name is Jordan Harbinger. For he does the same thing, but with entrepreneurs, and I that's how I would love to replicate or replicate my sports show. And so yeah. I think that's really cool, man. Yeah, hopefully, you just start reaching out to some athletes, man. Yeah, have you know, already. I think it's uh, you know, it's gonna definitely take definitely take time and build those relationships. That's uh, always one thing that I you know would always recommend you you if you always network and you always stay true to who you are. I think you know good things will follow. Hard work will always you know win in the long run. And never cut corners. Mm-hmm. Work hard and work smart, then you uh, yes. double double everyone else up. So with with that idea, I think that is really cool, and I think that that then the the podcast medium, while it is starting to get flooded, I still think it hasn't even hit close to what the bubble is because there's so many. I mean, now it's weird because there's less commuting hours. Right. So that was one thing that, you know, a lot of industry experts were talking about in the beginning. Podcasts are losing ear time because people aren't in their cars and the average Americans commute is 45 minutes a day to and from work. So you got an hour and a half. That's why a lot of episodes are in a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour long. So with that, I mean, what what have you done or, 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 you know, how do you try and differentiate your show to make sure that, you know, with limited listening hours now or with reduced limiting hours uh, listening hours your show is going to be one of the ones that people say you know what no i i need to listen to this before i listen to anything else in my queue you know man just being consistent you know i think if i constantly put out episodes and you put out great content and better myself as an interviewer and you know having on quality guests and doing my homework i think over that my show will improve you know i'm only you know few episodes in shows really new Mm -hmm. but you know just being consistent um with all that and over time you know looking at it like a five to ten year window because that's what this looks like you know Mm -hmm. you got to think about your podcast like if you want it to be the best you got to stay consistent always putting on episodes such as you have done you know man you've done a tremendous job doing that you. you know we uh you know some people i think with podcasting they get very impatient like you mentioned earlier you know, the, those stats are true. There has definitely been a drop off in listenership in the last since COVID had happened. I think that's all going to ha- go back up. And, you know, people like uh, there's a podcaster named Pat Flynn, who's really been in on podcasting since 2006. He saw this whole podcast revolution in the last se- six, seven years happen. And, you know, the study is there, you know, are even giving me more listeners in podcasting. It, that is, that's, isn't already hard to believe that you would think that, you know, there's already enough listeners, but even when I still talk to people, they're like, Oh my God, do you have a podcast? Oh yeah. I haven't really listened to podcasts. There's still a tremendous market out there mm-hmm. for people who have not listened to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I think, you know, d- differentiating through the content such as that sports documentary style, right? right? I think that is really cool. Like I, the, the 30 for 30 of the audio version, while I, it's it's weird. Sometimes they come out, sometimes they don't. I don't really know what the hell they're doing over there because I, I really love them. And then there's like, oh, it's like we have another one coming out in like 18 months. It's like, okay, I guess I'll wait 18 months for the next one. But it's that that style, especially right. Like so many documentaries. Yes, it's it's nice to see, 
but there's definitely some you don't need to right like there's there's a lot that you don't really need to see what's going on you're kind of just there for the audio and then the the um the interviews anyway so i, sure. I do think that, that style is pretty cool and i actually had kevin jones of blue wire sports podcast i think it's blue wire something podcast whatever he's a super cool dude he owns the media um media company where he's aggregating all these um regional podcasts and what they're doing and he has greg olson now on he, he has like partnerships with chevrolet which is really cool but one of the things that they did was they had a like a mini documentary series on freddie adu he had like a oh, major cool, soccer, yeah. yeah. He had a major soccer influencer or writer or reporter. I apologize, don't remember the gentleman's name, but did like a whole like six part thing on on Freddie Adu and like his time here in the MLS and you know how he was the next coming of you know right. like, yeah. Beckham or whatever. Um, obviously, that didn't quite turn out to be true, but it's still a really interesting story. So those types of things, I think, you know, we're seeing it with you know serial. Obviously, is one of the big ones. You know, they kind of come out with this. It's a very limited number of episodes and. Well, most I feel podcasts are interview or, or just kind of talk show based. There are the ones that are different where it is kind of that documentary style. There's, you know, comic books that are read through podcasts, which is really interesting, right. too. And you kind of get that storytelling going on, too. So a lot of stuff going on, man. I love it. Again, if I could do this every day, talk to cool people like you, share some of your wisdom, share some of your experience, help some other people around the world um, get paid just enough money to pay my bills. I think I'd be the happiest person on planet Earth. So be kind of cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely doing it in a smart way. You know, it's like, it's, you know, the better your show gets, the more quality guests and the better quality of interviewing questions you ask, it's just better, the better shows going to get. And you might get that sponsor or two out there because, you know, even during COVID the, people are still looking for um, sponsors are still looking mm-hmm. to get their stuff out there. So, I mean, there is definitely, you know, things out there. You just got to go out there and find it. I mean, I think that's who, you know, what COVID has really brought out with people. If you haven't really adapted, like right when COVID happened, I brought everybody online. I didn't miss a beat with work. Mm-hmm. I literally, you know, I had to get creative. They're all my clients. I was like, look, we're going online. We're going to do this for a little bit. Let's, let's try it out. You know, if you don't like it, I'll give your sessions back, you know, and all that. Not one person told me, you know, this sucks or whatever, you know, it's like, they, they might've said it's different, you know, it's an yeah. adjustment of course, but, they, you know, have all stuck with me since then, you know, and, you know, they continue, they continuously are consistent. Um, and, you know, and I think that's the same with any industry, you know, you have people who just complain, you know, I hear a lot of people complain, Oh, I can't find nothing. I can't find nothing. That may be true. And I know it's hard out there. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you are hungry enough, you will find something like you would definitely find something. This is not the first time in history where this has happened. It happened in 2008. People, you know, how to learn again then. And if you can't find something out there, learn a new skill, learn a new trait. There are definitely lots of certifications, online tools out there where you can definitely apply yourself to them. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, it will benefit you for the future. Exactly as you're doing, right? You decided yeah. you wanted something. So you made an investment in yourself, went back to school and now only less than a year and a half away from graduating. And now you can put that on your resume and you are in LA. So there's a lot of radio stations, a lot of television stations out there. You can find a couple people, maybe keep doing this thing, man. We'll see what happens. I'm crossing my fingers for you. Oh, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, dude. Well, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I think we pretty much covered everything. Anything else, man? I think you did a great job. Yeah, oh, how, so you're you're in school. I actually do have one last question. You are in school. You are learning how to become a better interviewer. What can I do better? How can I be a better interviewer? I think you know, just as you were doing, do your homework on your guests. Yeah, that's what I try to do. I, um, you know, go through making sure that I try to know every you know detail possible. 
I think that is the number one thing that you can do as a podcaster is to know your guest who's coming on the show. The only reason I say that is because I'm doing it from and I'm learning it from the person that's been doing it the best in personal development and self-help. His name is Jordan Harbinger. He's the host of the Jordan Harbinger show. But if you go listen to this podcast, he literally has on, he's had on Kobe Bryant, all these other, you know, from athletes to authors, entrepreneurs, people in law enforcement. It's just crazy the amount of different guests he gets on the show. It's because it comes from networking and he does his homework on his guests. And, uh, you know, I believe you take that kind of skill and you apply it to your show that you'll end up being one of the top entrepreneurs or uh, one of the top podcasters out there in your space. So I need to do more homework on you. What did I not get on you? Now I'm kind of curious. No, I, I'm not saying that you no, asked me what, you asked me what you said. Brian, where can everybody find, uh, where can 